This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Before I launch into this morning's sermon, I'd just like to say how much I've appreciated being here at NVBC uh, as interim pastor over the last five months. You've made Christine and I very welcome, um, and we appreciate that, of course. And it's been a privilege to minister along with uh, the other pastors and the staff and so many dedicated volunteers. Uh, We're going to find it hard to leave. Not that that's happening just yet. Um, In a week's time, we will be going on an interstate holiday to visit one of our sons, uh, but we will be back. Um, Have a look at Friday's email newsletter for some more details about that. I've been involved in many churches over the years, um, initially as a member, uh, but then as a pastor and an interim pastor like here and other places. And I've heard about and read about many more churches. Some have been better than others, um, to put it graciously. I much prefer talking about the better ones But let me give you an example of one that fits into the other category. This particular church was severely dysfunctional. One major problem was disunity with different factions forming around different leaders. What they needed really was a wise mediator. But that hadn't been happening. With some, there was a spirit of arrogance and superiority. They asserted that they were the only ones who were following Christ, that they were the truly spiritual ones. They also believed that the spiritual gifts that they had were superior to the gifts that other people in the church had. Actually, um, just generally speaking, the use of spiritual gifts in that church was also a major problem. There are other issues which also indicated deep-seated problems in this church. Uh, Some were spreading unhelpful, if not um, false, teaching. Uh, There were cases of sexual immorality that were not being addressed by the leaders. There was a lack of care for those who needed even the the most basic of necessities like food. And there were even instances of people, and this this is maybe a bit hard for you to imagine, um, uh, uh, certainly in a a Baptist church, um, which usually has a a no alcohol on the premises policy, uh, but in this particular church, uh, at church events, people were drinking way too much alcohol and even getting drunk. Now, I hasten to add that this was not a church that I attended, but one that I've read about. And in fact, you've read about it too, or at least you've heard about it. It was the church at Corinth. And we know all these things about that church because Paul wrote a couple of letters to them, the Apostle Paul. Some of their behaviour is understandable, perhaps, when we consider their pagan backgrounds 
and uh, the worship of idols that they had been involved in before becoming Christians. That worship of idols would have involved debauchery and immorality, gluttonous and drunkenness, with little consideration for others. So perhaps what was going on in this church is understandable to a certain extent, but certainly, certainly not excusable. In no way fitting of people claiming to be followers of Jesus, as Paul points out. I'm talking today about unwrapping your gifts, unwrapping your spiritual gifts. And I'm speaking today from 1 Corinthians 12. This chapter is all about spiritual gifts, but Paul begins it by addressing uh, their relationship to Jesus. Uh, there should be a Bible reading there. Let me just see if I can find that. No? Ah, that's a bit weird. Okay, well, let me read it to you. You'll just have to listen or follow on your app. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed, and no one can ever say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now that's uh, verses 1 to 3 of 1 Corinthians 12, the start of our passage for this morning. Now, I reckon Paul got that exactly right under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course. That's the place to start when it comes to spiritual gifts. So that's my first point. And hopefully that will come up on the slide. No? Ah, there we go. So that's the Bible reading we just had. <laughs> and there's my first point. Start with Jesus is Lord. That phrase, Jesus is Lord, is just two words in the Greek, Christos, Kurios. The phrase, mentioned, uh, the phrase is mentioned in other places in the New Testament, not just here. Um, it was an affirmation, um, I guess a kind of very simple basic creed used by the early Christians. It was especially important at baptism uh, when a candidate uh, had to publicly declare that Jesus is Lord uh, before being baptised. Throughout the first and second centuries AD, Christians faced frequent periods, as you know, of intense persecution. Emperors uh, after Julius Caesar all adopted the title Caesar, which is Caesar in Greek, along with the claim to divinity that went with it. So Roman authorities often told Christians that they had to publicly declare Kaiser Curios, 
Caesar is Lord, or be killed. Uh, many refused to say that, and many, many were martyred. Uh, one of many documented examples that have survived is that of Polycarp, Bishop of Smyrna, who was born in 69 AD. In a public arena in Rome, he was repeatedly pressured to say, Kaiser Curios, and to deny that Jesus was his Lord. Instead, he said, 80 and six years I have served him, and he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my saviour? And then as a result of that, he was martyred. Now that's a little slice of history. But what Paul says here to the Corinthians is also relevant today to us. Don't start ex by exploring or exercising spiritual gifts. Start with belonging to Jesus. Start with a relationship with Jesus. Acknowledging him as your saviour and master. If you miss that first step, it will not only mess up your life, but it will also mess up the life of the church, which is what happened at Corinth. After that beginning, I'll have another go at our clicker. Uh, after that beginning, uh, Paul goes on to talk more directly about spiritual gifts. Um, so let's have a look at verses 4 to 12. A bit small, so again, let me read it to you. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities. But it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And so my second point is this. Let grace flow. When you say Jesus is Lord and you mean it with all your being, then God in infinite grace gives you some fantastic gifts better than any Christmas gift or birthday gift you've ever received. Eternal life, for one. The Holy Spirit, which we receive when we are born again. And also, what we call spiritual gifts, the topic for this morning. The Greek word is charismata. Uh, Paul uses it twice in this passage, uh, in those verses that I just read. And... Uh, another couple of times later on in this same chapter. The root word of charismata is charis, which in English means grace. So literally, charismata 
are grace gifts uh, given th through the Holy Spirit in grace. Um, I actually prefer the term grace gifts, but uh, we usually call them spiritual gifts, so I'll, I'll keep calling them that so as not to cause any confusion. Paul mentions several spiritual gifts in that passage that I read in verses 4 to 12. Uh, utterance of wisdom, utterances of knowledge, faith, healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, tongues and interpretation of tongues. Uh, towards the end of the chapter, um, verses 28 to 30, he also mentions apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers, leadership, tongues and interpretation. Now that's quite a list, isn't it? Quite a lot of gifts there. But even that is not even an exhaustive list. Um, have a look at Romans 12 or Ephesians 4 or 1 Peter 4 and you'll see more gifts there. Some of the same ones but others as well. As varied as they are, uh, they all have one thing in common. They all come by grace through the Holy Spirit. Uh, verse 11 again. Uh, all these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. The Spirit allots sovereignly according to the divine will, not our will. Uh, we can't work to get a particular gift. We can't earn a particular gift. They are gifts. They are grace gifts, gifts of grace just as salvation is a, a gift of God's grace to us. We are given them through grace and we need to use them in grace, gracefully. That's what I mean by uh, my second point there, let grace flow. Receiving a gift and using it appropriately is a, a process of receiving divine grace and then letting that grace flow through us to others. It's that principle of blessed to be a blessing. We are to be, if I can try and summarise the idea, we are to be channels of grace, of charis, as we use our gifts, the charismata. That Greek word charismata is where we get our English word charismatic from. As you know, some churches and some individuals are labelled charismatic. Some of them are quite happy to take that label, some maybe not so happy, because sometimes that label is used disapprovingly by other Christians. But let me say, I think all churches should be charismatic and be proud to be known as that. And all Christians should be charismatic in the sense that we are open to the grace of the Spirit, that we are using the grace gifts that have been given to us and that we are allowing the grace to flow through us. A third point from this passage, foster the variety and the unity. Paul highlights amazing diversity in our passage. He talks about varieties of gifts, and I've already commented on that, varieties of services, 
varieties of activities or, or workings or, or energizings is literally what the word there means. He goes on in verses 15 to 26, and we um, uh, don't have time to read that this morning. You might like to follow that up. But he does go on uh, after the passage that we read to emphasise that there are a variety of members in the body of Christ. He mentions Greeks and slaves and free and many different functions in the body. That's where he goes on to talk about the eye and the ear and you know, all, all those different parts of the body, a wonderful analogy of the body of Christ and, and different members of it. Such diversity is to be celebrated. Does it look like a recipe for chaos or diversity? Well, potentially, yes, except for the unity that God brings, that God provides. The diversity is part of the divine design, but so is the unity. The Trinity, three different persons of the Godhead existing as one, provides, I think, a model for us. The unity that is there within the Godhead. Listen to some of those key verses again and note the, the Trinitarian structure and the repeated emphasis on variety and unity. Verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit. Verse 5, and there are varieties of services but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. All these, verse 11, are activated by one and the same spirit. That same combination of diversity and unity also applies to the church, the body of Christ. Verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one, so it is with Christ. So friends, that's our identity in Christ, part of the one body of Christ, unified in him. That oneness is something that we are called to, to work out, to live out our identity, to, uh, to live it out in our ongoing discipleship, even as we foster and celebrate the diversity amongst us. Here's my final point. Prioritise character, not charismata. Um, I've only read the first half of chapter 12 this morning, uh, but Paul ends the chapter with a very important comment that we mustn't overlook. After 31 verses on gifts, he then says, and now I'll show you an even more excellent way. I want to know that, don't you? What's more excellent than all these spiritual gifts that God has given to us through his spirit? Well, after making that comment, he then goes on to write a whole chapter on love. This is his more excellent way. The Corinthians were not lacking in spiritual gifts. There was an abundance of those for all to see, more than in most churches. I dare to say even more than in our church. 
So why so many problems? Because they weren't exercising them in love. You might be able to speak in tongues, Paul says, but without love you're just a noisy gong. You might have gifts of prophecy, knowledge, of faith, but without love you're nothing. That's a pretty strong thing to say, isn't it? You're nothing. Love is the first of the nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. And I think Paul lists it first, um, and, and Paul does in Galatians 5, that's where we find the, the fruit of the Spirit. Paul lists love first, I think because Jesus puts such an emphasis on love, but also because it's foundational, I think, for all the others, for the other eight. When we talk about love and the rest of the fruit, you know, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-sacrifice, self-control. We're talking about character. The fruit is what the Holy Spirit develops or grows in us. If you think about the fruit, that's what Jesus was like. That was his character. The Holy Spirit's work in us, and we've been talking about this elsewhere in, in our series, the Holy Spirit's work in us is to be transforming us, transforming our character to be like that of Jesus, transforming us into the likeness of Christ. Fruit in our lives is the Holy Spirit's work in us as individuals. The focus is on individual transformation, our character. Spiritual gifts are also the Holy Spirit's work, but the focus is no longer on the individual. The individual might receive the gifts, but that's not the emphasis. That's not the focus. The focus is on the body. Can you see that distinction? Character, the fruit of the Spirit, individual, but gifts are all about the body. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good, not for an individual's uh, personal realisation or for their personal fulfilment, given for the good of the body, for the common good. This is exactly what the problem of the Corinthian church was. They prioritised gifts over fruit. Is it any wonder that they had problems? They were exercising gifts without the requisite character. Gifts are for the common good, but without character, they lead to common bad. Let me be honest for a minute. I, I think churches face a great temptation and, and church leaders face a great temptation to prioritise gifts over character. It works sometimes like this. Oh, we need more people serving in various ways, so let's do a series on spiritual gifts. Uh, we'll help everyone to identify their gifts and then we'll be able to slot them into all the vacant positions in the church, uh, all those vacancies on the roster. Even if they don't really want to be there, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll tell them that's their spiritual gift and they'll need to do it. Where does growth, where growth in character um, fit into that process? 
That kind of mindset, which we can so easily fall into, unfortunately, that's prioritising gifts over character, or even to the exclusion of character. And that's a recipe for disharmony. But when we prioritise character and help people become more Christ-like, something miraculous happens. And it's through the Spirit. People want to serve and minister like Jesus did because they have a heart like the heart of Jesus and they volunteer for things and they get involved in ministry and service as the Lord leads through his spirit. And over time they become aware of their gifts and grow in them and love using them in ministry for their Lord. Now, uh, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not saying that gifts aren't important or that discerning and identifying gifts that that's not important. It is. It's vitally important. Uh, Paul wrote this whole chapter and other passages about it. It's something that is good to do, but it's a matter of priorities. Don't focus on gifts first and neglect character. It just doesn't work out well. I want to finish up with a few practicalities. Pastor Johnny's written a great um, uh, Bible study on today's passage. Uh, you can find it on the website. That's our website. You can find it under, if you haven't looked there before, you can find it under the teaching tab just there. That's where you can find the sermons, but it's also where Johnny puts his Bible studies. You can find it in other ways, but that's probably the easiest way to get it. Uh, it's been up for a week already. And some of you have already done it in your connect groups. But even if you're not in a group, uh, it's there. We put it up there so that you can work through it privately um, on your own. Uh, it nicely complements what I've been sharing with you this morning. At around midday today, Pastor Johnny will put up another Bible study on gifts, but from uh, different passages of scripture than what we've looked at this morning. Um, as well as in that Bible study, um, there are links to different gift discovery tools. Uh, just a, a few links. Um, one or two of those are quite simple. Um, uh, there's one or two that are a bit more rigorous, involving questionnaires that you score and they indicate your, your gifts. Uh, Rick's, Rick Warren's shape is one of them. Uh, there's a link there. Some of you have already done that. The S is for spiritual gifts, uh, and you can just do that section, um, although the rest is also helpful. Heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. Uh, there's another helpful one there that Zoe drew to our attention and passed on to us um, by Selwyn Hughes, and that's worth having a look at too. Um, uh, all those tools have, uh, uh, have in common some sort of description of what each gift is. Um, I mean, what is prophecy? What is tongues? What is interpretation? What is the gift of mercy, etc., etc.? If you're wondering about that or wondering about any particular 
um, GIFs, then if you have a look at those tools, uh, you might find the descriptions helpful. Now, I haven't been able to deal with specific GIFs this morning. I've just talked generally. Today it was meant to be an introduction to spiritual gifts. Uh, but Pastor Johnny will be speaking about gifts next Sunday morning and uh, he's going to be a bit more specific on a couple of the particular gifts that you may be wondering about. So I encourage you to come next Sunday, but I also encourage you to have a look at one of those assessment tools and maybe even two. You can compare the results and see if they say the same thing. If you're part of a Connect group, this week's study also includes a group exercise to help you affirm each other's gifts. And that can be very helpful and, and an encouraging process as well. But as you do all that, as you do all that sort of practical stuff, remember the important lessons from today's passage. The Lordship of Christ, first of all, live it out. Grace, let it flow. Variety and unity, promote both. Character, make sure you don't neglect that as you focus on gifts. And then, you'll be the kind of person that brings honour and glory to your Lord. And as a result, we'll be a church that brings honour and glory to the name of Jesus. May it be so. Amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.